Golden Spiral Media presents Chester's Mill Gazette, an Under the Dome podcast. Hey, Domeheads, it's time. Doug and Karen are ready to deliver the latest issue of Chester's Mill Gazette and share their thoughts on this week's episode of Under the Dome. Are you ready? Here are your hosts, Doug and Karen. Welcome and thanks for reading this issue of the Chester's Mill Gazette. I'm recording live from just outside Chester's Mill, which explains the electrical interference I'm experiencing. I'm food drive coordinator, Doug Payton. And I'm survivalist speculator, Karen Lindsay. We're hot off the presses with this issue for Season 2, Episode 5, Reconciliation. And on the masthead, once again, we are published by Golden Spiral Media at goldenspiralmedia.com slash dome. The writer of this episode was Catherine Humphreys, and the director is Ed Ornelas or Ornelius or Yukon Cornelius. We're not sure exactly, but that's a that's that's a shot. Yeah, I, I don't know how to pronounce that either, but it's it's spelled Ornelas. So whatever, we'll get it. Um, Sorry, Ed, we gave it a shot. That's right. Um, and, you know, I think you're brave to be out there by the dome. I really do. You're watching the kids. It's really cool to, to see this. thing. Yeah, is it? Are there? You, you, yes, I, I, if only I had four hands. Yeah, I know. But, you know, you have your microphone. You're so brave. All the All the electronic equipment right there <laughs> by the dome. Just be careful, Doug. I'll try not to get too close to it. Okay. So uh, here's our headlines. We are going to be interviewing Mackenzie Lentz sometime next week. If you have a question you'd like us to ask her, let us know. We can't guarantee we'll be able to ask all of them, especially spoilery ones. I'm sure she's under some sort of a, uh, you know, if I tell you, I'll have to kill you sort of thing. Non-disclosure agreement. Exactly. Uh, But we'll certainly try and we'll mention your name and Twitter handle or whatever you want us to mention when we ask it. Yes, it's cool that we're going to be able to get to do that. I know. It is awesome. I'm so psyched. Um, It might just be Doug. Because they are, uh, they reside in close proximity to each other, so they might do a, a on location interview. Um, if it is um, over Skype, then I shall be a part of it as well. But either way, it's awesome, right? Absolutely, I am. I I, I was surprised at how quick we were able to uh, uh, get permission to do this. And so, uh, you know, just, just send out an email and uh, or on a contact form on a website, actually. And I was, you know, able to get in touch with uh, uh, her folks. That basically, they're, they're, I guess they're her agents. And uh, so, yeah, so they're, they're psyched. Now, now, we had to wait. We couldn't do it this week because they're taking a vacation, which makes sense since they're, um, you know, right after filming. It's about time to, you know, take a break from all the... Uh, uh, all the stuff going on and all the work and whatnot, so that's understandable. So next week, it gives you plenty of time to give us uh, questions that you'd like us to ask her. Yep, it's awesome. I love Nori, so yay. Um, and now, the show ratings. Um, Under the Dome matched last week's series low of a 1.5 adults 18 to 49. Now, 
Here's the qualifier, and I know I do this every week, but this week there really is a qualifier. It was up against The Bachelorette after the final rose. Now, this is something that only comes on once in the season, and it it was on at a special time. It was the sum up of the whole season of The Bachelorette after she chose her... I don't know, fiance. I don't even know what the outcome was because I don't watch that show. But, you know, it's a special and a (laughs) lot of people watch it. So it only got a 2.1 and Under the Dome got a 1.5. So it wasn't even that far behind it. It got a 7.9 million rating, you know, people watching it. And Under the Dome got a 6.57 million people watching i shouldn't have put a uh before that but you know what i mean uh, <laughs> bachelorette got 7.9 million people watching it and under the dome got 6.57 million people watching it it's not too bad it's not a huge difference and the bachelorette after the final rose is like you know the big sum up and this was just a middle of the road under the dome so you know I, make up your own mind as to how well it did for yourself at least it didn't drop and that's a good uh, a good sign you know you're going from uh, you're going from episode four to five you're kind of mid-season here for under the dome and getting to mid-season and that is a uh, a good sign that you're not dropping audience uh, again against you know something like this bachelorette retrospective so that I think that's a good sign I think we're doing all right right um, and the lead-in for this I believe I did not do my homework on this i think it came on right after the finale of the bachelorette so people were watching the finale and then just continuing on to this retrospective thing and last week it was just you know from one show to the mistresses or mistresses not the mistresses mistresses um so it was up against just a regular show that had a normal lead-in to the bachelorette being the lead in for this bachelorette special and you know people are definitely going to continue there's not going to be a huge drop off and um you know it, so it was up against this juggernaut of the bachelorette so i mean again make up your own mind uh, sounds good sounds good <laughs> well i mean i'm not justifying it or anything it's not great ratings but the fact that it didn't take a nosedive up against the bachelorette i think that's a good sign it, it's not a horrible so thing. keep getting your keep getting your uh, friends and family uh, watching under the dome agreed yes well let's move on to our episode discussion and our headline reads survivalists stash saves starving citizens <laughs> all righty i'm still doing this uh, variety alliteration here yeah i like it and and yeah it's 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 working it's working and i you, and i i will say that uh, that that karen has uh, helped out with these as well so this is a joint effort well this week i did that's i for think sure. for <laughs> for this episode i'm giving it uh seven sinister throw pillows Ooh. i thought it was a good it was a solid episode but it was not as uh, i think i gave the the premiere an eight. I've thrown out a nine at one point. This was not quite in terms of the 
Uh, in terms of uh, plot answers and things like that, I mean, there was the big reveal at the end, but I think uh, it, you know it was it was it was a decent episode, but not quite uh, as bang as some of the other ones. What do you think, Karen? Yeah, I give it a seven as well. Um, and I would have maybe gone a little bit lower, but I liked some of the turns it took, and I kind of like the return of Big Jim. Uh, the, like the bad side of Big Jim. So I'm going to give it seven ball brand canning jars. Which we saw a lot of near the end. Now, folks, I got to let you know, Karen was is trying to be as, as uh, uh, proper as possible <laughs> because after the word ball, she put a little registered trademark symbol in our notes. So just so you know, for the, for the, the ball uh, jar company, just so you know, she is not taking your name out of context. She is, uh, she's, Ball is a registered trademark of the Volcanic Company. Thank you. <laughs> well, you know, I don't want to get in any trouble. No, no, no. We don't want, we want everybody to get their full credit for everything they do. Okay. So we have, the in our discussion, we have the A story. And this is, I, I kind of called this Big Jim Bows to Big Julia. Yeah, outwardly, perhaps. Not so much, uh, uh, in reality, you know, he's got his own, he's setting things up, but he did, he did at least give her uh, props at the end there, outwardly shook hands and the whole bit. And um, so that was, you know, that, that, that's kind of the, the main thing here, who's taking power. And it was a real tough time for Julia because she had immediately, uh, you know, devastating issues to deal with, uh, decisions to make, and, um, and, and a, a lot of the... Uh, a lot of the good decisions she made, they kind of fell into her lap, the whole thing with, uh, as we're talking about, the, the canning jars thing. Um, so they, so that kind of helped uh, with her cred with the crowd. Uh, not all of the crowd, clearly. Phil was not completely on board. But anyway, where I'm getting ahead of myself, way ahead. <laughs> it's okay. Um, yeah, I'm glad we're I'm glad we're hearing more people talk to other people. Like at the very beginning, Barbie spills the whole story about uh, Melanie to Julia. That was a good a good start. Well, Barbie has never been one to hold things back. Um, that's Joe. No, is it Joe? Yes, Barbie has though told the kids to stop telling or to, mm -hmm. to not tell anybody about. In fact. He hasn't. He's asked them not to tell the rest of the town about Melanie. I believe, isn't that right? He well, he asked them not to spill it to just anyone. Like he, I'm sure nah. he doesn't want Big Jim to know about her. So, you know, and he knows already that Sam knows who she is, and that Sam has concealed mm -hmm. the fact that he knows her. So he knows something weird is happening there. And he doesn't want to play his hand, I think. Yeah, it's it's not every day you have a it's not every day you have a zombie, you know, show up. Right. And I'm guessing he knows that Big Jim knows who she is. I mean, he has to, right? Not necessarily, uh cuz he really wasn't part of the well, he I mean, you know, how old was he back in the day? Was he aware of her in high school? I mean, he might have, uh, but I don't know if he's actually come across her just yet in, in you know, uh, in the past couple of days. That, yeah, but we definitely don't want to, if at all possible, try not to keep Jim in the loop on anything. Right. Well, on the off chance that Big Jim knew her back then, 
I'm assuming he wants to try and keep that information away. But anyway, you're right. We are getting a little ahead of ourselves. But yeah, um, he did come right out and tell <laughs> Julia. And, you know, that's it's not a big deal. He wants to be open with Julia because of I'm guessing because of the whole misunderstanding they had with the whole, you know, Holocaust. He's trying to patch that all back up. Thing. Yeah, exactly. And uh, and it looks like the town is kind of splitting up over, you know, the pro-gym versus the anti-gym uh, crowd. It's uh, it's it's really uh, it, it's a that's that's almost the, the defining uh, issue of the day at this point. If not not pro or anti Barbie, but pro or anti Big Jim, uh, who who do you believe? Who do you, do you think uh, he was a better leader? Phil seemed to think that uh, the mistakes that Julia was making is not some that Big Jim went on. We wouldn't even consider these mistakes per se. I mean, they were just you know events that happened on her watch, and uh, you can't really uh, blame her for a lot of that stuff. Well, yeah, I can't blame her for any of it, really, right? She didn't have anything to do with it. <laughs> Julia, yeah. right? All she did is say, I'm not going to participate in it. And that's true, too. Yeah. So it, it just seems like there's a, the the anti or the pro big gym crowd seems to be the it seems to be the ones who are doing things behind everybody else's back. Like, you know, Phil, uh, he may have had something to do with the explosion at the food drive and all that business. And so it just doesn't seem like a, a good uh, a good side to be on in general. You never know who's going to be coming up behind you with a knife. Yeah. I'm not sure I understand his side. Is that just I'm loyal to Big Jim and anyone who's against Big Jim is my enemy? And Barbie, it looks like he's trying to be trying to be recruited as sheriff at the beginning here. Uh after they um after they undeputize Phil. Wow. He's uh he he's kind of the reluctant guy. He doesn't want to don't want to be in charge because he knows what it's what uh, you know people think about the people in charge. Yeah, I don't think he wants to be sheriff. I don't think he's aiming uh, to be sheriff. But who else really uh, can really handle that at this point? Um, mm. It's got to be somebody who knows what is really going on, and not everybody knows um, all the weirdnesses going on here. Yeah, and by now they realize that it can't be Sam. Because he would have been a choice that Julia might have thought about. But it's too late. It's too far past that now. Um, it definitely won't be Big Jim. I don't know. It, are they going to turn to one of the younger members of the town? Uh, junior? It It's becoming desperate. Yeah, please. Yeah, 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 and so they may have to. They, they go with the the guy from the outside. At the very end, it seemed like Barbie was accepting that uh, that job. Yeah, I hate to put that on him though, because it's not the best job to have. They keep dropping like flies. Yeah, you're really in the uh, the target sites there, and that's true. And Rebecca seems to be. Um, Starting to have second thoughts. She she doesn't have Big Jim's back, and Jim notices that uh, when they were in the jail. After they were out, 
she's um, she's starting to think twice about. And this is, I think, we talked about this in um, one of the early episode spoilers, and we can reveal it now. Where uh, the the actress said that uh, that if she were to give advice to her character before the dome went down, her advice was don't be so blindingly um, ma married to your science. And this, I think, is where we see where she's saying, you know, this, there's, we need these people to die. We need to call the herd. And now she's saying, well, she has seen death, and it's starting to make her think twice. Sometimes, you know, science isn't necessarily the answer. Maybe there aren't any really good answers. And I liked that bit of um, uh, character development for Rebecca. It uh, it makes some sense. It is you know it, we're, we're, there are consequences to what she's doing, and now she's having to actually instead of all being theoretical, it's now a little more practical. And uh, so she may be pulling away from Big Jim a bit, and uh, that might not be a you know good for her in the long run, if you know what I mean. Well, I think some of that comes from her overhearing him talk to Phil and trying to incite him into causing trouble because later on she denies hearing him say anything to Phil. She doesn't want to get in the middle of that. And I think she just, she doesn't want to involve herself in, you know, she doesn't back big Jim up later on. Um, she just completely stays out of it. Well, maybe I was asleep when they, when when Phil was in here, I, I don't know what what went on. And you know, Big Jim is clearly done with her at that point. Um, I still don't like her though. She's not sympathetic to me at all. Uh, she's just she went from being no, but she's getting she may be getting there. I don't know. She went from being all haughty and know it all to now she's just kind of whiny and. Um, like she feels sorry for herself. <laughs> I don't know. Her her face was kind of pouty all through this episode, and I was like, you know what? You brought this on yourself, lady. So, uh, I I really had a hard time sympathizing with her in this episode. I'm I'm hoping this is what a change of mind looks like for her on the outside. Uh, that it's you know it's she's seeing what she's been doing and all this time, and it it it's now really hitting her, and you know you know maybe this is the you know the whiny stage just like, you know stages of grief stages of uh, uh, coming around you know and this may be hers you know well I just I shouldn't I mean you think about it she was ready to kill quite a few people and um, and that's got to really take a toll on you when that really hits you. Okay, but, okay, let me put this in, in a different way. So let's put this in like a kid who doesn't get their way. She is having a temper tantrum and pouting about it. Hmm. Is that what she's doing? Because that's the face I got. Uh, that could be, that could be. She's that She didn't get her way, and so she is... Um... She did seem a bit uh, not, not. I wouldn't be, you know, stomping out and whatever, stomping no, on her feet. She's and not saying, having oh. a. I, it sounded. It seemed more like. It didn't seem like she was stomping her foot and walking around. Take my ball and go home. She was uh, just trying to be. Uh, 
she she was not not trying to be necessarily, but just uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? She, you know, contrite, you know, that sort of thing. Trying. I don't know that it was working. Does that make uh, sense okay. at all? Alrighty. I mean, yeah. I just I just the her face. If you watch her face through this whole episode, it it irritates me. That's all. <laughs> well, I can understand that. Well, well, Julia does try to. Um, if this is her answer to what the uh, the culling was for Rebecca, this is her answer to that. Try to pool all the food together and get it all in one place, and then be able to dispense it as ne as needed. And it seems like, with after some initial you know reluctance to do it, the town is kind of on board. And in fact, uh, uh, after the uh, after the explosion, uh, some people are complaining. I gave you everything I had. Well, you know, so they were all in. Uh, so that's that's good. To, it's you know kind of a bringing the town together and all that, but um, but yeah, it did seem. And I'm not sure exactly. Maybe you have a better idea of uh, what this might have been. But when uh, Barbie was noticing the uh, empty boxes and stuff like that, like somebody was donating nothing just to get every you know to get uh, you know something into the food bank so that it could blow it up or something like that. Um, do you have any clue as to who might have been behind that? I, I didn't think, I guess Phil's the uh, the easy answer, but I didn't, uh, I mean, that would have been a really uh, a short amount of time to get a plan like that all coming together. No, what was happening was people were donating things and Phil was going in and taking the things out of the boxes and putting them in the room behind that room. Oh, and that's what we see at the end there, yes. Right. So he was actually taking things out of boxes that people were donating, then putting the boxes back together like they were donate just donated and putting them back on the shelf, not knowing that Barbie was going to go through them and and storing them in that safe room. I got you. Getting his own secret stash. Okay. Right. And, you know, of course he was picking and choosing. Yeah, yeah, and and the thing is too. Then, he, then he had. It seems pretty clear he was the one who uh, uh, rigged the generator to to go up, and uh, to try to pin that. And that's again, that seemed kind of lame to pin it on Julia, as though you know, Big Jim wouldn't have let this happen. What he would have noticed trade wires and stuff like that. He's while he's busy loading up food. I don't think so. Right. I I don't get it at all i mean how could you pin something like that on julia the, it, and it didn't seem like it stuck it didn't uh the, in fact they as far as we know they would just blame those three guys if they knew who they were well they do i mean barbie can tell them and and so can well, Carolyn. Yeah, he, he finds out at some point well and carolyn and carolyn that's true yes they're gonna have uh they're gonna have her uh uh, testimony on that as well. That's true. Right. And she's not exactly, she's not partial. Yeah. It's not like she has any ties to the community specifically. She's got, uh, she, she is a, well, actually both Barbie and, uh, and she are kind of a, uh, outsiders, impartial, uh, representatives. They don't, you know, necessarily have ties to any particular people there or, you know, allies, that sort of thing. So it's, yeah, that would have been, well, that'll be, a, it hasn't happened yet, but at some point that, uh, that will uh, definitely happen. And that really brings us to... And now, the Barbie of the Week. Bare Knuckle Boxing Barbie. 
can take out two anonymous bad guys and a knife-wielding DJ. Accessories include nothing. He needs only his muscles and his wits to survive. This has been the Barbie of the Week. And of course, I am put in the mind of that guy with the handlebar mustache and his fists ready to go. <laughs> Arms akimbo. Chuck Norris of uh, Chester Phil. That's right. <laughs> okay, but he did shoot Phil. Well, still. So he, he has that accessory. <laughs> he, But he had to take the gun from someone. He knocked everybody out by himself before then. He's so we find out. We find out later that Andrea, um, and I don't think we've seen her before. I'm not sure exactly. Yeah, we did. Season but, one. Uh, oh, did we? Oh, okay. Yeah, all she's right. the one that complains about and, all uh, the propane being taken. Oh, that's right. That's right. To the, yeah. And she's got food all stored up. And sure enough, her husband's a survivalist and... Uh, is it turns out to be the savior of the town as far as as far as getting uh you know food uh and er, initially into the diner which I thought was cool they just oh we'll just uh, serve up whatever and uh, that was neat yeah I thought that was a nice way to do things that uh, I was glad there was part of me that said she's an honest person she would have probably brought that food in but I can also see where. Living with a guy like that would make her think twice about bringing all of that in. So, mm -hmm. I get it. You know, she, she trusts Julia, so she's going to show it to Julia. But she wasn't going to bring it all into the town. So, I get it. But, mm, you know, whatever. Well, thank goodness for survivalists. That's right. Of course, of course, Big Jim was something of a survivalist with all those guns down in his uh, locker, you know, or the uh, the the storm cellar. So it can go both ways. That's right. I've heard it both ways. Now, Lloyd. Did did we see Lloyd last season? Was that the the guy that uh, was fighting with Big Jim last season? I'll have to look. No, that, up. that was Ollie. Okay, Ollie. Okay. I don't. I don't think Lloyd's around anymore. I. I think he's out of the picture. Okay. All right. And then Phil at the end. I like his line. Well, you're no big Jim, and I'm thinking to myself. I wrote down in my notes. You say that like it's a bad thing. <laughs> yeah. And Julia gave a great speech at the end there. You know, kind of a, you know, we're all in this together type thing, and you know, we're gonna reconcile with. Uh, uh, though, you know, what they've done is, uh, you know, unbelievable. I forget the, the term she used, but it's not unforgivable. Mm -hmm. So, again, this is her trying to assume that the idea of the dome is to stop the killing, to stop the, uh, 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 you know, the, the, the problems that all that brings and just try to, can't we all just get along? Um, but, again, if you look at... You know, Dean Norris is acting here. Just his facial expressions, they've got it down, you know. I don't know if it's the director or if he's doing that himself, but he's got the look down, and it's like he's looking around, shifty eyes, and yeah, sure, I'll shake your hand. Yeah, he's just ready to make his next move. And the hesitation in putting his hand in her hand. It's perfect. Uh, it's so perfect. And 
I don't know about you, but I got the impression from both of them that they were both not really a hundred percent in on it. Yeah, I can see what you're saying. Yeah, where, where Julia, uh, the kind of the, you know the facial expression she had is like, you know, I know what you've been doing, you know, and I know what you're what you might be up to, but I'm for the good of the town, you know. Shake your hand and we'll call bygones bygones for the moment. Yeah, and almost like I've got my eye on you. I know what you're capable of. So it's a of. very, right? It's a very, uh, it's a very, tend. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's a very touchy alliance. Yeah. Not quite solid. Yeah. Oh, it's not it's solid at all. I'm guessing. <laughs> it's uh, All right. tentative. Well, let's move on to the B story. The B story is the mystery of the missing textbooks from Locker 1821 has been solved. They've all fallen into the pit. But anyway, we'll get to that. <laughs> fallen into the pit. Sam is going in. Yes. No, yes. no. They've opened the hatch. <laughs> this is our lost reference this week. Yeah, that's right. Oh, man alive. Uh, you know, Sam is going into his cabin and catches Junior looking for, I guess he's, look, yeah, he's looking for the pages from Pauline's journal to try to figure out what's going on. And when Sam seemed generally surprised that Pauline might be alive. Now, I was not entirely sure that uh, it, he was faking it because he's been faking it in a number of uh, uh, expressions and uh, you know reactions in this episode especially. And we find out probably in the previous episode, but I'm thinking that the secret that he and Lyle were talking about, I think originally I thought, well, it's about Pauline, but it may in fact be about Melanie. And so he might be, actually be surprised. Did you get that feel or do you think he's uh, faking that as well? No, I think that's exactly right. I think the secret is about Melanie. And I think Lyle's the one that knows about Pauline and Sam does not. Okay, he, yeah, he's the one that's been getting the uh, the postcards and all that stuff, yeah. Right. And Sam, has, Sam been has been playing... Grieving for his sister. Yes, yes. And he's been playing Junior, though, because as we find out, you know, he's he's making Lyle out to be the, the bad guy, and when Junior kind of comes to the conclusion he wants him to, that Lyle probably killed Angie, that uh, that he's more than willing to... You know, to move that along, or you know, he, the, when they were searching the barber shop, you know, he's slipping something under the uh, the chair seat so they can so he can discover it and say, "Oh, look, you know, this is something Lyle did." And so it's um, he's he's no longer we, we can no longer blame it on you know fugue states or blackouts anymore. No, this is this is uh, the real thing. Yeah. Now, I think Lyle was just convenient. Um. Now. The fact that Lyle and he had this pact and the fact that he doesn't have to worry about any worry about keeping the pact anymore about Melanie, I think that's just tying it up very nicely for him. I think that, you know, the fact that they thought Lyle might have killed Angie, that's great for him. You know, he just, you know, he throws all in on that theory. Um you know, he just seizes that opportunity when it hits him. He, you know, he didn't aim for that 
he just you know as soon as it starts happening you know he just tries to make it happen more um and and you know the journal thing works out for him too um so it's like everything's going his way right now and he has you know if you hadn't thought it before if you thought maybe he was still not sure if he was still um having blackouts his you know getting junior drunk and um knocked out and asleep and whatnot from uh, from the alcohol and then picking up the wonderful throw pillow to try to uh, take him out he does a little monologuing there if you remember from <sighs> uh, the incredibles yeah about how you know we the only way to bring down the dome is to kill the four hands so we get to at least to, to hear that from his lips, <clears throat> so he knows what he's doing. I told you so, I told you so, I told you so. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't that one of my predictions? I was predictions? trying to give him the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. That was one of my, it was either the fact that he was trying to cover up her, her murder, or he wanted to kill the four hands. So, yay. Um, I'm kind of happy that I predicted that. Probably doing both. Yeah, I'm guessing, yeah. Um, and also trying to cover up the fact that he, <laughs> he killed Melanie. And, you know, that's him pinning this all on Lyle. So, um, yeah, crazy. And now, well, we'll get into the other thing. But it sounds later. like he's going to have a tough time with that because it, he, I mean, he couldn't do it. Yeah, he couldn't really do it uh, with uh, Junior. He couldn't kill his own nephew. He had a... Uh, he was very hesitant and to the point where Junior wakes up and uh, well, yeah, saves himself by doing so. If he didn't wake up, would he have done it? That's the question. That's, the, that's a $64,000 question. Right. I mean, we don't know that. I think he might have been able to do it. I mean, if how badly he wants, if depends on how badly he wants that dome up. Yeah, he's he's not so, and now he's figured out that his sister's alive, and outside the dome, he's mad. Uh, he wants to go find her, and he doesn't know about this uh, portal, <laughs> hatch, uh, <laughs> stairway to hell. Yeah, not yet, <laughs> right? So. You know, if he thinks that he can, if he thinks that he can take out the four hands and get out to see his sister, he might be just pushed enough to do it. Yeah. And I mean, he's already do, killed you know, Melanie. Look at the... So. So he's a, it's a it's a and uh, Angie. Right. Well, I mean, he was dating Melanie. Angie, he had no relationship with, but he was dating oh, true. Melanie. So, a relative, you know. That's that's the next step. That's you know, and not not the the step you want to be taking. Yeah. Well, he's crazy. And they they see the uh, eighteen twenty one, which is the locker number. They go and um, uh, check it out. Break open the uh, the door, and this time, and is that? Yeah, I guess it is. Uh, th their their supposition is this is Lyle having done this, um, and I can I can buy that. Uh, knocking out the back of the uh, locker, and <clears throat> all of a sudden there's this huge pit there. Now, it was wide enough such that the backs of the other lockers should have 
you know, at least been, you know, if they'd done the same thing there, it could have been very, very, but this was right in the middle, you know, and, uh, and maybe it was the weak spot. This is the spot to get down there. And I'm guessing, you know, a tunnel under the dome, under, under the dome, um, portal something. I mean, that's that, that, the, the closing scene there with that shot with, uh, you know, looking down from the, uh, from the, uh, from the locker into the pit was uh, was a was a great way to end this thing. Yeah. Now, as far as we know, there is no under the dome, like hole in the dome. It's a circle. Mm-hmm. Um. So it, it's got to be. If a it's portal. anything like the mini dome, yes. Right. It's got to be a portal, right? And I think the obelisk has got to have something to do with it. Yeah, that's something Junior had seen and uh, and was one of the sketches. So there's, yeah, I'm, we haven't seen the last of that yet, that's for sure. Well, and it was inside his, his uh, snow globe, which is a dome, and it was raining the red rain inside that snow globe. Yep, so that's, uh, that's another one of these things where... The question is where where did that come? Yeah, yeah where where did that uh, particular uh, dream come from? I think that's still an outstanding question. Right, and the fact that his mother was in it, his mother painted it. Um, now again, it said zenith on it. Does that tunnel go to zenith, the town next door? Ah, where there is an obelisk. Maybe. Do the obelisks connect? Is there an obelisk down there that you touch and you get to go? Uh, to? Zenith? They transport back and forth. Uh, Maybe. I don't know. Now that that would really be getting sci-fi on us. Yes, indeed. We, see, we, 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 we go beyond the, uh, the, the, the relationships and all that. And then we really get to, you know. So we're Star not Trek. sci-fi anyway. now? We're not sci-fi now? <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's a dome around the well, town even more so <laughs> um we, we amp it up another notch so it's zenith zenith which is uh, again the highest point but uh, i don't know i guess you could warp it to be the center i guess um yeah i'm still wondering if that has something to do with the the top you know, highest point on, on the dome itself or something like that. I'm wondering if that's, if just this is a, um, uh, a, a, an odd, you know, oddly named town, but that's not really the, what we're talking about. I don't know. It just seems too obvious or it seems too, too coincidental that in fact there is a town called Zenith nearby that both of these people are from Melanie and Barbie. So yeah, I think that has something to do. It's probably, it's probably a town. I mean, I wonder if that's maybe where uh, uh, Pauline is residing at the moment. I don't know. It looked like she was in a really big city, though. Oh, that's true. That's true. Although Zenith could be a very big city. Who knows? Hmm. Well, we're going to move on to the the other story in this, and I'm calling this The Love Triangle, and it sets sail. <laughs> and we really hit, it really hit its stride this week with uh, Melanie and Joe and Nori. And Melanie's... Uh, trying to the, the three of them going around Melanie tries touching the dome no big deal she didn't get shocked which uh, which was very interesting um, I don't know if that has anything to do with it maybe because she 
is the dome. Like I said, uh, I think I said something earlier. It's maybe she's a manifestation of it. I'm I'm less convinced of that right now. But I have a the, theory. The lack of a shock. Go ahead. Because she's not alive. Ah. I mean, she's alive, but she's now not. That's interesting. You know, maybe she doesn't have a lot of yeah, electricity yeah. happening in her body. Okay, alrighty. It's just a theory. And uh, you know, I like I like that uh, because you know she's different, and she she made a, a point to say that at least two or three times in this episode. Mm -hmm. So uh, having them bring that up over and over makes you maybe that's the reason why you know this is a different kind of person and. Touching the dome doesn't affect them the same way. Exactly. And they're even testing to see if she's different from the rest of them. I mean, they were literally. Yes. And I do mean literally giving us arrows pointing at the fact that she's different from the rest of them. So I thought, well, that might be why. If you didn't get it before, you should get it now. Right. Exactly. Although she is similar because she has blood that coagulates and, you know, all that stuff. So, And, uh, yeah, she, she notices that, uh, you know, at one point she pushes Nori down and she says, you're bleeding. And Nori says, you're about to be. Mm. And I, uh, you know, so. Yeah. Um, and, and she was. And, and then literally later we get a blood test. I, I, it's interesting how they decided how I, I don't know where Joe got the idea of a blood test testing for differences. But uh, I guess uh, can't really do a DNA test in the high school uh, science lab. No, but there are things that you can do. Uh, I know when I was in high school, we tested to see what blood type we were and how blood coagulated and a few other things. I mean, there's definitely not DNA testing, but you can look at blood and see how it works and, you know, do different things. So maybe her blood is just different. And uh, it sounds like, uh, like I said, with the the whole uh, the love triangle here, Melanie seems to like Joe as well, and uh, uh, kind of made the move on him. Uh, as Nor and Nori saw it, and that all that all uh, kind of blew up in his face. So poor uh, Joe. Poor guy, I don't know where he's going to go. Yeah, I don't know what he's going to do after this. Um, it looked to me like, you know, this all happened at the same time here um, in the diner. Well, first of all, Melanie makes a move on Joe in the forest. And that's when Nori gets upset. Uh, Joe didn't, he, I mean, he didn't protest, but he didn't make a move on her, on Melanie. And then at the diner, he sees after all this horrible stuff goes down and Julia and Barbie get in this huge fight. They come back together. And that's what spurs him to go and talk to Nori. It's almost like he wants to be Barbie. Like, you know, he, Barbie is kind of his hero at the moment. And he tries the same yeah, kind yeah. of thing to get back with Nori. And Nori is not having it. So, you know, I have to kind of do a <laughs> fist pump for Nori. <laughs> um, yeah, Joe, you didn't really put up much of a fight when Melanie kissed you. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. 
and Nori seems to be doing. Um, she seems to after the season one uh, trauma that she went through. She's kind of. We are now seeing the the teenager who is going to the boot camp uh, in the uh, in the pilot. So we're seeing that come out a little more, uh, especially some of the things she said to Melanie um, and the way she's standing up to Joe. That's you know I think I think that's more of like I said she's kind of gotten over the issues you know the, the trauma that she was went, that she had gone through and now and now she's uh, she's this is her her actual personality at this point or it's hitting her and her actual personality is coming through as well I mean I think it might be yeah, yeah. a mix of both uh, but we are seeing more of her natural personality I think this. Um, high intensity snarkiness is uh, is more her. Um, you know, it's more real Nori. Yes, I actually like this Nori. I mean, I liked the um, low key Nori as well, but this Nori I think is more real. And one of the things I tweeted out during the uh, during the episode, I said, um, and I tweeted that, and I mentioned Mackenzie Lintz. Nori, Colin Ford, Joe, and Grace Cox, who's Melanie. I, so I mentioned all of them, and I said, unique under-the-dome love triangle. Two kids in their late teens and one in her 40s. <laughs> and uh, Grace Cox playing Melanie, she favorited that. So that's <laughs> <laughs> Nice. <laughs> I thought that was a very odd setup. Yesterday. Yeah, it was. All around the, uh, the setting of, uh, what, I guess in the forest and then around a test tube. <laughs> <laughs> so very interesting alrighty we've gone through our stories let's move on to the obituary section poor Wendell and I don't even know if we had a last name for him but I heard his name Wendell a couple of times all he wanted to do really was just find Jim guilty and execute him <laughs> Yeah, who could blame them, right? I mean, that's that's all. I saw on uh, TV Line in their recap, I'm giving full credit to TV Line for this, um, they said he just isn't down with Big Jim trying to poison the whole town. That's the only sin. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, a mod, it's a minor thing. I You know, I, is it worth what happened? I don't know. Yeah. Exactly. Yep, so Wendell is in our obituary section this week. Now, related to that, we got a feedback a letter to the editor from Corey, uh, and he was writing in actually for the local film and entertainment section. And he wrote, this week, the Chester's Mill Community Theater will be performing Death of a Salesman in the Park. And here are some testimonials. I, uh, frightening, a frightening,ly realistic event. That was Rebecca Pine. Dale Barber said, extremely disarming. Julia Shumway said, shockingly unnecessary. <laughs> and Big Jim Rennie said it was predictable. I like so, the extremely you know, disarming from Barbie. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So, yeah, there, that was the, uh, it, was a, it, it was only there for a, uh, you know, a one-shot performance. Yeah, one shot. I see what you did there. That's all it took. <laughs> Alrighty. Okay, Karen, you had some 
interesting uh, editorial information for us about uh, some of the music in this in the episode. I do. Um, in this week's episode, during the diner scene near the end, after the little pact and the shaking of the hands, which we mentioned before, the music takes focus, and it is a song which I saw in a few forums people were asking about. What song is this? I need to find the song. And if you type the lyrics in to Google with quotes around it, good luck. You're not finding it. Um, I tried that because I really liked it. What I did eventually is I have SoundHound on my phone and I held it up to, it's my earbuds because um, I was listening on my computer and I don't have speakers on my computer. But um, I had to do it four times because it has to get just the right sequence of words in order to pick out the song, apparently. And it finally did. I got the, the song and I confirmed it by typing it in and it, uh, it came up with the exact song that was in the show. And it is called Act Right by Winona Carr. And it's from the album Jump, Jack, Jump, released in 1955. Um, it, Winona Carr was, she could have been really big. Um, she started out about the same time as Aretha Franklin and she was signed and she was supposed to be like the new up and comer and things didn't work out so good for her. Um, she got tuberculosis at one point and by the time it was clearing up, um, her type of music was kind of going out of favor and then she got depressed over it. And it was just a really sad tale. If you look up Winona Carr online, it's just a tragic, tragic story. She is in um, uh, the R&B Hall of Fame. So at least she gets some recognition and she, she did a lot of music. It's just not as well known as some other people from her time. But this song in particular, Act Right, I loved it. And that's why I looked it up. And I answered some of the people on the forums online. So I wanted to at least bring that up here in case you wanted to know what it was as well. And it kind of really does fit into what was going on at the time. It, it's it's kind of a admonition to both sides, Jim and Julia, and everybody. Frankly, um, they need to act right. That's right. She did a lot of gospel music, and this was kind of a halfway thing for her. This was part of her transition into R and B. Um, in fact, at this point, she was still known as Sister Winona Carr. So I thought it was really cool. Oh. She she wasn't a nun. <laughs> She was just, it was just part of her uh, persona, but yeah. Very cool. Well, thanks for looking that up for us. We're all here to help you. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Happy to help. And now it's time. <laughs> and now it's time for our letters to the editor. We got something from Barb again this week, and uh, Karen, go ahead and read that off to us. Will do. She says, Hi, Karen and Doug. This is Barb, your political cartoon lampoonist, reporting in with all the news that's fit to print or not for our city under the dome, Chester's Mill. It's always fit to print, Barb. That's 
my editorial comment. Um, big news this week that may have future political ramifications. Big Jim is back in a big way. He out-manipulated Dr. Science and has now thrown Sheriff Phil under the dome. Well, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> um, it appears he gave Phil the big blast idea to discredit Julia and Barbie and has given him a hand up on his competition. Oh, Barb. <laughs> I expect to see him back to full manipulating powers within the next day or two. Dome time, of course. I don't know. I don't know, Barb. I think Julia's up. You know, she knows what's up. I think she's going to keep her eye on him. Again, editorial comment on my part. We may need to add a quote of the week to the paper. I am behind this, Barb. <laughs> 10 out of 10, yes, I would read to the paper because Sam's he always has been a little nuts comment about Lyle can really be said about almost this entire town. Our wannabe murderer has an apparent mission to kill the hands that touch the dome. So perhaps, so perhaps nasty Nori will be the next dome sacrifice so that the dysfunctional May-December romance between Joe and crazy lake chick Melanie can move ahead. God, I hope not. I like Nori. Um, yeah, I like that character. Mm -hmm. I was disappointed to see the actress who plays Carolyn used so poorly in this episode. Agreed. She has more smarts than to appear wide-eyed frightened with a knife at her neck and to make silly comments about everyone deserving a fair trial. Even Big Jim. Where she? Where was she when they were going to hang Barbie? Quote of the week, dot, 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 dot. Yeah, dot. that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Got to run. I was just told some silly kid is tearing up my place, going through my papers. No sane adult would allow that to happen. No, absolutely not. <laughs> Who would do and that? that? Those are great thoughts. Those are great thoughts. Yeah, a, a quote of the week, may we may need to have that uh, as part of our uh, one of our sections. I'm in. <laughs> and Barb did um, correct me, and I knew it. There was there was two ways to pronounce this, and I was going to get it wrong. And she said it's Tangier, not Tangy. T-A-N-G-I-E-R-14. That's her Twitter, Twitter handle. So it's Tangier. Thank you very much. It's Spanish, by the way. Thank you, Barb, for clearing that up. You know, I almost said it might be Tangier, but I thought, hey, maybe she told you it was Tangier. So I didn't. But. I was just winging it. Okay. <laughs> and we have we have another message from Justina, who is our investigative reporter, and she's got some very interesting thoughts about Melanie, about and 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 Angie, both of them as uh, hands on the dome. Hi, this is Justina, investigative reporter for the Chester's Mill Gazette. Today's report is on Melanie. I'm wondering if the dome sent Melanie to protect the remaining three hands and to act as the fourth hand in Angie's place. If it is true that if all four hands die, the dome comes down, the dome may have sent Melanie as an act of self-preservation so that she can keep the remaining hands safe and therefore the dome remains up and in place. I will continue investigating this story. You know, Justina, I like that idea that... Uh... The the thing you said about the being a uh, Melanie being uh, kind of a defense mechanism of the dome that is that's a great that's a great thought uh, that because it knew what was going to happen 
that it needed to have somebody there to uh, replace somebody and you and and bring back somebody who was one of the hands way back in time. So I like that idea. Um, thanks for giving us uh, your thoughts on that. You liked it. What do you think, Karen? I agree. Um, there's something I can't say here. Uh, <laughs> no spoilers yet. We're not. We're in almost the spoiler there. Spoiler section yet. Um, but I will mention it in the spoiler area. So, yeah. All righty. Well, if you want to send a letter to the editor, remember the deadline is Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. You can call 304-837-2278. I don't have the uh, letters this time. Oh. Um, or you can go to Golden Spiral Media. I'm sorry. <laughs> or you can send your letter to the editor. Uh, our letter to the editor webpage is cleverly disguised as the Golden Spiral Media feedback page. That's goldenspiralmedia.com slash feedback. You can type in uh, a little text or you can upload an audio file or you can use the SpeakPipe widget to record something right off your computer. On Twitter, we are at Doug Payton, P-A-Y-T-O-N, and at Alaveria, A-L-E-V-E-R-I-A. And when we're posting on Twitter for the Gazette, we use the hashtag UTDGazette, 1Z, 2Ts. Or if all else fails, you become a fan of Golden Spiral Media on Facebook. And you can put your thoughts there, too. We will uh, post each episode of uh, the Chester's Mill Gazette there as well, a link to it, and you can put your comments in there as well. So Now, you know what? You could still be a fan of us on Facebook and do any of the other things. Well, that's true, too. You can just be a fan and see what's going on, and you don't have to, you know, leave a message or anything like that. If, exactly. If you want to, you can just read the stuff. There's lots of stuff on Golden Spiral Media's Facebook page. Wow. I agree. All right. And this is the point in our show where we say goodbye to you who are trying to be spoiler-free. No spoilers for you. And we start the weather forecast. What's coming up under the dome? All right, Karen, let's hear what's happening coming up next. Okay, now I can spill the beans as soon as I'm done talking about next week's episode. <laughs> um, next week's episode, episode six of season two, is called In the Dark. That uh, makes a lot of sense considering what we're going to talk about next week. Um, Barbie and Sam explore a mysterious tunnel to find where it leads on Under the Dome. Monday, August 4th. When Barbie and Sam set out to investigate a mysterious tunnel, a cave-in severs their path back to Chester's Mill. Hmm. Meanwhile, Julia and Big Jim face off in a struggle for power as a dust storm rages in the town on Under the Dome, Monday, August 4th, 10 to 11 p.m. Eastern on the CBS television network. I'm, I'm glad they're not making us wait too long to take a look under that uh, in that tunnel. Me too. If they dragged it out, I would be really mad. <laughs> Um, and here's the cheat tweet. So you might see this on the CBS feed. What will Barbie and Sam find when they set out to explore a mysterious tunnel? Hashtag under the dome. Um, the recurring cast. And here's the part that I got excited about. But now I'm wondering if I should be excited. Um, the recurring cast. I mean, the, the regular cast is regular, right? I mean, it's, you know. It's the regular right. cast. Um, but the recurring cast, we have Grace Victoria Cox, and that's Melanie. 
And then Dale Raul, who is Andrea, the woman who had all the the bell jars, <laughs> ball jars in her house. Um, <laughs> I say bell jars because, you know, Sylvia Plath and all that. Um, and making a registered trademark of the bell jar corporation. <laughs> I know. Um, making a triumphant return in his first appearance of season two is John Elvis as Ben Drake. Yes. Now we are psyched to get Ben back. Now wait a minute. This just occurred to me. If the dome has to replace a hand, dot dot dot. Oh. Oh, is he the replacement for somebody and somebody really does die? Right. So it's a boy. So Junior or Joe, huh? Mm, I don't know. Well, you know, the executive producer said uh, the uh, body count is going to be increasing. I know. So if if Ben's back and the thought is that they have to replace a hand every time a hand goes, that does not bode well. And but I if love... Ben's in, who's out? I love Ben. So I'm torn. Well, well, let's just think good thoughts until uh, until we actually get in the dark. You know what? Honestly, I don't care. I just love Ben. So <laughs> I, I I don't care if they kill someone. <laughs> Is that terrible of me? <laughs> and uh, it's written by Caitlin Parrish. Bring back Ben. <laughs> Bring back Ben. Um, it's written by Caitlin Parrish. Um, I don't have a directed by for next week. Well, we'll let you we'll let you get by with that this week. Okay, thank you. Alrighty then. That's CBS's fault. <laughs> Wait a minute! Don't throw me under That's the bus. That's a lot of fun stuff. No, no, okay. not throwing you under the bus okay, or under good. the dome or anything. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, I hope that uh, I hope that satisfies some people's sweet tooth for next week. Absolutely, it should. If you have been reading this far in the Chester's Mill Gazette, it's time to put it down and get out there. And find out what's going on under the dome. But thanks for reading. Uh, I'm Doug. And I'm wondering if if the title Sheriff Barbie really strikes fear in the hearts of criminals. Well, you know what? I'm going to add something before my sign-off. I don't think he's going to get to be sheriff. <laughs> and I'm Karen, hoping... Oh, so really? Well, he's, he's going to be cut off from the town next week. Right? Oh, there's only people that listen to the spoilers back here. And I'm Karen. Hoping Phil isn't around when I'm feeling hungry. Chester's Mill Gazette is presented by Golden Spiral Media at goldenspiralmedia.com.